Well, let's go ahead and get a drink, and then uh, then we'll kind of get it kicked off. Cool. Oh, we got some fancy glasses. Yeah. We'll start out with, let's see here. I'm, I'm sure, have you had all, all these? Have you I've had, had this, I've had the uh, Master's Keep. I haven't had the Diamond. Cool. I haven't no. had. And I haven't had the 101 Rye yet. We'll say that one for last. Okay. I haven't had any of them. Perfect. Well, let's get this one out first then. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome back to another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. My name is Kenny, and I've got Ryan here with me also. And Ryan, there's a Really awesome news that just kind of came out just a, kind of recently, and it was one of our past guests, Marion Barnes, finally made the big announcement of what we all waited for. We even asked her during our podcast interview, and go ahead and spill the beans, kind of talk about what she did. Well, you know, it, it was formerly known as uh, the old Taylor Distiller. They finally got their own brand, and uh, I think it's pretty cool. It's called Castle and Key. It kind of goes with the theme of, you know, the, the distillery is a castle, and then there's a spring that kind of flows into the distillery that kind of shaped like a key. So I, I, I think it's pretty cool. I'm kind of interested how they'll do the bottle design. Cause there are a couple brands out there already with, you know, the key kind of design larceny and uh, blade and bow. So yeah, a lot of those have a lot of the same kind of characteristics when they try to think about the name to it. So maybe we're, are they running low on names to kind of choose from and ideas, but we should start our own branding firm. Come up with no. <laughs> we I think it's a good name and I, I'm interested to see how the, the bottle design and all that comes out. So. I agree. I agree. But today we are not talking about castle and key. No, uh, today we are talking about something that is, uh, very, as we were kind of talking about in the pre-recording of the show, 
very traditional Americana brand that's been around for a long, 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 long time, and that today is Wild Turkey. And today on the show, we have Matt Gandolfo. Matt is the brand ambassador for Wild Turkey. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Finally, it's about oh, time. Oh, man. Yeah, it's about a year <laughs> in the making right now. Hard to pin me down a little bit. I understand. I understand. I know. You've been traveling quite a bit. You, uh, I saw you on a, on a bus or something like yeah, that, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, 2015, I was on the road 31 weeks, so the 31-week tour across America, went everywhere from the West Coast to the East Coast, everywhere in between, so it was... Uh, it was great going out there, representing the brand. We had a, a mobile distillery is what we were calling it. So it's basically a, basically a, a tricked out coach bus with, uh, you know, the breakdown of the process, uh, a tasting room, a bar. So I could do education with uh, bartenders, different clients, different accounts, but also have a little fun and go to places like Bonnaroo and Austin City Limits and uh, dish out some wild turkey. Okay. I was going to ask what your coolest stop was, but I think you already said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to beat that. I mean... Nothing better than a bunch of wild turkey at a you know a music festival in um, the middle of summer. I'm sure that went well. We were uh, <laughs> we were a popular spot, and uh, it was my first Bonnaroo. And growing up in Kentucky, obviously you hear about Bonnaroo a lot. And uh, you know I had a perception, and I went there. I mean it was it was unbelievable. I lucked out though. I didn't have to camp out or anything. I was able to go to <laughs> hotel that, and yeah, that. You're in that nice little. For travel distillery. Oh, uh, yeah, man. That's May C, at least. It was about 100 degrees out there. So a lot of sweaty hippies uh, coming in for some bourbon. <laughs> it's kind of how it works. I, mean, I, remember, I remember my first Bonnaroo. Oh, yeah. was, it was uh, camping out, sweating, uh, you know, kind of like struggling. Paying for showers. Oh, yeah. It was it was gross, but it was fun, right? Yeah, it's yeah, always yeah. something you always hold tight. Do it while you can, right? Yeah, That's right. Exactly. So well, we always start to kind of the show out talking about the, the question we always kind of pose, which is tell us about your first encounter with bourbon. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who grows up in the state, it's it's hard to pinpoint your first encounter, per se, because this grows up around us. You know, it's part of our culture. So, you know, it's one of those things that we might take for granted a little bit. But as you as you grow up and uh, when I went off to Ohio for college, well, I realized, well, not everyone's drinking bourbon. You know, they're, you know, all the 18, 19 year old, I should say 21, 22 year old kids <laughs> <laughs> are, uh, are much more comfortable drinking vodka and things like that. Well, that's when I first realized, well, this is something that Kentucky has and it's special and something that uh, it means a lot to what we do in our state. So that's when I really start realizing this is something that I'm super interested in. Uh, you know, when you think about what you want to do for a career, you know, people always say when you're growing up, you want to do something you love. Well, my first uh, my first jobs out of college, well, I worked for the the family real estate firm. So I did real estate for a few years and you realize that, I mean, it's great to pay the bills, but you're not going to work excited every day. So you're not traveling to Bonner. Yeah, exactly. out <laughs> Yeah, a little different story. So, you know, I, I really did some soul searching. And one of the things I love most in this world is Kentucky. And there's not a market for a 6'1", 250-pound jockey out there. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't uh, I was going to hit the gun the horse business. And, uh, you know, the banjo, I bought one off Craigslist. And it's harder than it looks. So <laughs> bourbon was an obvious Your choice fingers for me. fast enough. No, no. No, not, not too good. But it, it, it's fun to uh, to go back and think about those those first times, think about, man, what am I going to do? Because obviously anyone who grows up in Kentucky wants to be in the bourbon industry. So if it wasn't for the help of some people and getting my foot in the door at uh, different places, I want to be where I am today. So I'm very, very fortunate there. Nice. We'll kind of talk about, you know, what your role consists of and, and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis yeah. for those sort of things. Yeah, I mean, it's a very unique role. 
you know, I'm being pulled in a lot of different directions right now. Since I was on the road all of 2015, pretty much, uh, we're putting a lot of emphasis on the home state. I'm, uh, I'm going to the top 50 on-premise accounts in Kentucky during the week. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm visiting accounts in Louisville and Lexington and northern Kentucky. And just making sure that people know that, you know, Wild Turkey is a very traditional brand, as you mentioned. Wild Turkey 101 is known by almost everyone, but it's nice to show off things like Rare Breed. Rare Breed is actually... Uh, the best-selling barrel-proof bourbon on the market right now. We got a 35% increase in sales last year of that one brand. Beautiful product. Russell Reserve, a lot of times people don't associate wild turkey with Russell, so it's great to be able to talk about what makes that different and uh, kind of what we are besides wild turkey 101 bourbon. Yeah, everybody knows the 101, and I'm always get refreshed with it when I go on Southwest airplanes because oh, yeah. 101's <laughs> on there, and the, it's it's always a treat to, to get it. Kind of talk about... The 101, why is it 101 and not 100 or Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been uh, in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, on the site where the distillery is at. We've been making bourbon there since the late 1800s. So, you know, throughout the years, it went through different names. The Rippy Brothers had it for a while. Prohibition hit. And then they were struggling for an identity after Prohibition came. And uh, they're still making bourbon, just some private labels, things like that. Well, a distillery worker, his name was Thomas McCarthy. He went to uh, the warehouse one day before a wild turkey hunting trip in South Carolina. And just like we do when we go to the lake with our buddies, someone brings the food and someone brings the drinks. Well, he's in the bourbon business, so he's going to bring some bourbon, obviously. So he got his uh, barrel thief out, siphoned out some uh, some bourbon, bourbon straight from the barrel, took it on a trip with him. Well, that next year, his buddies were calling and said, you better bring that wild turkey bourbon again. And uh, sure enough, the proof when he pulled out of the barrel was 101. So that really stuck and became kind of a tradition by accident. So that's how the name originated, mm-hmm. right? So I guess from there, the name originated, but how did it grow into a, a business? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that time, people were searching for brands that stuck and that one really seemed to resonate with the consumer at that point. It was a little bit higher proof, a little bit more robust than uh, than other barrels in the market. We've uh, we stayed really, really consistent throughout that time. That was in the 40s. And really, the age, uh, you know, the, the the filling techniques, everything stayed the same. So I think people respect that kind of consistency, you know, and in the bourbon industry right now, everyone's scrambling to make their barrels go longer, you know, age it a little bit less, maybe add a little bit more water here and there, just get a few more cases out of each barrel. Well, Jimmy Russell, our master distiller, he was handing the, handing the keys to Wild Turkey, and the last thing he's going to do is change anything. He learned by a guy by the name of Bill Hughes, and Bill Hughes was his mentor, and uh, you know he'll never change anything in the operation that Bill Hughes taught him. So you know, a few things that stick out in my mind, we advertise that we won't release a barrel of bourbon under five years old. Personally, I've never seen a barrel released under six years old. Um, you know, and it, it's it's an extra two years compared to other people's flagship brands that does a lot as far as the aging process. To get really technical, I love our barrel barrel filling proof. Uh, legally, you can fill a barrel at no higher than 125, and almost everyone fills up at 125 to get the most out of those barrels, as I mentioned. Well, we're filling up between 107 and 112 proof. So what that does is in the final product, when it's done, done aging, we're adding far less water to the final product. So you get much more of the barrel tones in there. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that might seem like a small, small thing, but I think it goes a long way as far as the final, the final product. And uh, it really helps that rye pop out. We're known for a high rye mash bill. So if you ever try <clears throat> one of our competitors, 
one of their flagship 80 proof brands. Uh, it's going to have, you know, a, a little bit sweeter flavor to it where wild turkey has that kick, that spice that comes out from the rye. Well, it's, it's the kicking turkey, right? <laughs> yeah, the, right. the kicking chicken. <laughs> you can't fit that, yeah. So that's a good, that's a good little history lesson. So another good thing that, that we always read of, and if you saw some of the older labels, you always saw the name Austin Nichols. Mm-hmm. So what did Austin Nichols mean to a wild turkey? Yeah, I mean, Austin Nichols uh, used to own the brand when it first came around. So it, it really started out as an importer of fine groceries worldwide. So it first got into the, the spirits business, and and Wild Turkey was one of those flagship brands for a lot of time, a long time for them. And going back to the tradition of the operation, well, Austin Nichols was on the bottle when Jimmy first started. So for a long time, he didn't want to change that. He wanted to pay homage to our past and, and make sure people know that you know Austin Nichols played a role in our operation for a long time. Um, we went on from Austin Nichols to Pernod, and now we're owned by Campari. But that was always uh, a tradition we wanted to keep on there until recently. So why why was the the big motivating factor behind removing the name of, of yeah, Austin Nichols? Yeah. Because we all know that we've we've interviewed plenty of people, and there's always this thing of you know we got to hold strong to tradition. We've mm-hmm. got to we got to keep hold to our roots. But then there's also these things that we have to embrace new cultures. We have to exactly. understand that marketing plays a huge role in today's mm-hmm. society. So mm-hmm. was that part of the the reason of removing it? Yeah, I think it, it represents a, a new day and age for wild turkey. You know, there's some things that we'll never compromise on as far as the operation, but, you know, marketing is an easy thing you can tweak. And Austin, Austin Nichols is not resonating with people as much as it once was. And it's one of those things that as we started changing the labels and we have a, a whole new label set for not only wild turkey, but for the Russell lineup as well. Uh, it, it was a uh, it was a change that wasn't necessary, but we thought fit, it fit the the brand image a little bit better moving forward. So you know, Austin Nichols been out of the picture for a long while. Moving forward and, and uh, focusing more on Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, and the Russell family. Right now, you we talked about a little bit about what makes Wild Turkey unique, right? Being able to say we put it in the barrel at a lower proof mm-hmm. to be able to get more of those tones. What are some of the other things that that Wild Turkey? through the aging process, the mm-hmm. stilling process, uh, the grains, everything that goes into the, the heart and soul of the product about what makes it unique comparative to other brands that yeah. are out there. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people are going to stainless steel uh, stills right now. And and the problem they're having is that if it's not an all copper still, well, it's not pulling out those uh, those fusel oils, the methanol and things like that. So we are uh, still all copper. You know, what happened when everyone switched over to a stainless uh, steel uh, column still, was, well, they found out real quick they weren't getting the quality they wanted. So a lot of these people are stuffing full of, of copper wire, trying to get that copper <laughs> in there somewhere. Well, we've had the same design ever since we started making it. It's a 53-foot-tall column still, 19 separation plates. And we actually just got a brand new one put in a couple of years ago, still made by Vendum right here in Louisville, Kentucky. So all copper is a big thing that we do. Uh, also, the grains. Uh, it, it's very, very rare to find anyone who uses exclusively non-GMO grains, something we're extremely proud of. Uh, our corn for the past 40 years has come straight from Baghdad, Kentucky. Uh, so same corn supplier for a long while. Uh, it's really hard to find non-GMO yeah, rye in the United States. So we uh, we dip into Northeast Germany, hand-selected, import it back over. And then our barley, like most people, comes from the heartland, you know, the, the Dakotas up there up north in the Midwest. So what, is a, what does a non-GMO give you in regards <laughs> to the experience and the taste versus something that is GMO, right? Because I mean, for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's that's always one of those things. Oh, because sure. I mean, there's there's always it, like you said, 
I mean, you can't even walk into a Kroger or a Piggly Wiggly or wherever you are in the country, yeah. and you have to go to the the one aisle that they only have maybe one aisle with yeah. like seven or eight shelves that is the kind of like the non-GMO, yeah. the whole, you know, whatever it is. Right? Yeah. And, you know, that's a hot topic. Even past bourbon right now, I mean, you turn on the news, like you said, and people are talking about non-GMO. Is it really that big of a deal? Can we sustain our way of living right now without GMO grains? And I can understand the argument there. Really, for us, it, it, it means, hey, we're, we're holding true to our roots. Uh, you know, I've, I've gotten in uh, a number of conversations on the road about this. And people are pretty adamant about it's not that big of a deal, which I can understand that. But if it's not that big of a deal, well, why does the European Union say you can't send whiskey over here to sell unless it's all non-GMO grains? So most distilleries around here, they're, they're hauling in the non-GMO grains for the European market and then switching over to the cheaper grains, the GMO grains for the domestic market. So, you know, if anything, it adds consistency to our product. And, you know, globally, we're going to have the same quality product as we do in France, as we do in the United States of America. So, and really, it comes down to Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy's 83 years old now. He's the longest tenured master distiller in Kentucky. He's been doing it for 62 years. He doesn't even know what GMO means. You think he's switch <laughs> over? He calls it generically modified. So, you know, he doesn't, he, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want, well, you know, why, why fix it if it ain't broke type thing? Right. So we'll spend a little more money to keep the consistency in the product and, and make sure that we're not cutting any corners whatsoever. So what's it like being, hanging around Mr. Jimmy Russell? Because that, you know, he, he's got a lot, it seems like, you know, just from what we've seen at events, is he's just a character, like full of energy, just a great person to be around. The dude isn't, Absolute rock star. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, at his age, he's still traveling, uh, you know, 50% of his time pretty much. He goes to the distillery seven days a week. What he'll do is he'll just post up in the visitor center and have people, uh, you know, have people come up to the sign bottles. So he's a true master distiller, but an ambassador for the whole industry. So, you know, my my first job in the industry was with Jim Beam, and that's where I really start hearing about the Russell family because Fred No and his father Booker had such great respect for him. And Jimmy always talks about Booker No. I mean, they were best buds. Um, they really were the ones that spearheaded where the industry is now, I think, as far as hitting the road and doing Whiskey Fest and going down to Tales of the Cocktail and, and being that face of the brand. So they really were part of an unbelievable generation of distillers. I mean, Jimmy always says, I mean, his best friends were Booker No from Jim Beam and Elmer T. Lee from Buffalo Trace and, and Parker Beam at Heaven Hill. So just to be a younger guy in the industry and just shut up and listen to him. Right. I mean, it's an unbelievable experience that you know, I don't take for granted one day. You know, I, I remember uh, the first time we did a tasting together, my wife was on the side. She snapped a picture of us, and I went home that night, and I framed it just because <laughs> I know one day I'm going to look back on that and be like, I was working side by side with Jimmy Russell. So it's been a really cool experience. Um, you know, Eddie has become a co-master distiller. Eddie Russell is Jimmy's son. And he's been working side by side with Jimmy for 36 years. Just uh, last year became a co-master distiller. So he started to take over uh, a lot of uh, responsibilities for us traveling a little bit more. And Jimmy's given a little leeway as far as releasing some of his own products. You know, one we're sipping on as we speak right now is Master's Keep. 
And Master's Keep was Eddie Russell's first uh, solo release. Before then, Jimmy always wanted to have final say in there. Well, Jimmy said, you know what, Eddie, you do your thing. And uh, what's cool about this, it's the oldest bourbon we've ever released, 17 years old. And Jimmy is such a traditionalist, he never wanted to creep past the 12, 13-year mark. So this kind of shows you the direction our brand's heading, more LTOs, a little bit older. And, uh, you know, Eddie has a different palette, so a little bit more diverse. Uh, portfolio for us. So I was to say, if it was it was creeping past him, I guess at the twelve or thirteen year mark, somebody must have been hiding barrels time because he had no <laughs> idea that they even existed. Yeah, yeah. And that's the cool thing about this product is we actually uh, we're talking about Old Taylor before. Well, we had some warehouses, some stone warehouses over there on that property for a long while. So this uh, initially got started in Asia, a wood warehouse, traditional rick house. Uh, we shifted over to the stone warehouses to see how they would turn out. So they kind of started out as an experiment in a way. And it's fascinating that this is uh, an 86.8 proof alcohol and it's barrel proof. So when's the last time you heard of an 86.8 proof uh, barrel proof? Well, what happened was, was in the stone warehouse, it would heat up in the summer days. The barrel would expand like the normal aging process and all that angel share would leak out, all that moisture. Well, it couldn't escape from the stone. It was a tighter seal. So it all hover on the top of the roof. Well, when nighttime rolled around, all that moisture actually dropped back into the barrel. So it's a very unique product. It's something that you won't see in any, very many places. So it's kind of a, a cool story about how we even got to that 17-year mark. Worked out well for us. I think that's interesting. I think that should lead us into our next segment where we actually talk about some of the individual brands themselves. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it uh, a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com bourbon. So we have a few different ones and you you go on the shelves and you see by by and large five or six different brands that are just right there in front of your face. So give us a kind of a rundown of what we're looking at on the shelf and what are the the differences, whether they're minute or great between each one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, first off, 
you know, from the 40s to 1976, the only thing we made at Lawrenceburg was Wild Turkey 101. So one product uh, in 1976, our first expansion project, believe it or not, was American Honey. So that was the first flavored whiskey ever hit the market in the United States. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to see when you go down the liquor aisle now, well, everyone's got a honey bourbon. Everyone's right. got some kind of flavored bourbon. Well, that's the first one. So kind of really set the pace for the industry well before its time. <coughs> and we'll start with that one. American honey is a little different just because um, we actually use real honey. It's real cane sugar. It's not a processed flavor. Uh, it, it's 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 a natural ingredient. It goes well. It goes along well with our non-GMO theme. And that one, obviously, for the traditionalists, is a little sweet. So qualified Whole Foods. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we're getting our certification right now. So you yeah. might see on the shelf here pretty soon. But uh, you know, it, it's one of those things for a traditionalist. I, I just never paid much attention to it, but when you see how much effort goes into it, it's pretty impressive. It's a great way for people who are just starting to drink whiskey to kind of creep into the category. So that's a that's a great one for people who haven't been, you know, going after bourbon and tired of fireball and they want something exactly. else. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that one was our first expansion project. As the times went on, uh, our eighty-one proof option for bourbon came in, and that one really our thought process was. It'll be perfect for the on-premise accounts, people who are mixing cocktails. It's not as uh, not as robust as one-on-one, so it'd be a great mixer for a lot of people. So it's the exact same product as one-on-one, just a lower proof point at that point. So still, you know, five to eight years old. We cross-section our barrels the same way, so we pull our barrels from different parts of the warehouse when we're blending it. So really, very little difference. Um, when you take a sip of the Wildcat eighty-one, I think you get a, a really light wood sugar on the front end and then that spice from the rye really starts to creep in the back end so it's uh it, it's still complex even though it's a lower proof uh russell reserve is uh our premium line named after jimmy russell obviously and that line came uh came about let's see about 17 years ago when jimmy was celebrating his 45th year in the industry and what was going on is Everyone thought he was going to retire. So it was kind of a send-off product, and it went over so well. He liked it so much, he said, well, I'll stick around for 17 more years. <laughs> so you know that one is kind of an anomaly in my mind for our portfolio because all our other products – I pick up that spice. You know, I I I can see that that rye really come out and be evident. Well, that's the one that has a lot of consistent caramel vanilla tones to it. It's a 10-year-old small batch. So for us, a small batch uh, means anywhere from 150 to 200 barrels. So it's, it's relatively small, the number of barrels still. He uh, selects the barrels, him and Eddie do. So the blending process is very strategic. And to get that consistent flavor where it's a great sip in bourbon. You know, it's one of those you just fill up neat and just sip on it for half an hour, 40 minutes with a cigar. So I think that one's very approachable for someone who's uh, who, who's past that first stage of bourbon drinking and they want to kind of creep up to more premium brands. That one's very, very approachable. And what's that one bottled at? So that one's bottled at 90 proof, our but, small batch. But there's also single barrels of yes, it too, right? Yes. I mean, I've gone around to plenty of stores Absolutely. and you see a, a single barrel selective yeah. of Russell's Reserve. Yeah. So single barrel is great. You know, obviously when people come over and pick out their barrels individually, 
you know, the last thing we want to do is for them to pick out a barrel that they love and then just add tons of water and they don't get the same product they picked out. So what we do for the Russell Reserve single barrel line is we bottle it at 110 proof. So much higher proof point and it's non-chill filtered. And I just love the non-chill filter stuff because all those yummy corn oils and things like that are still in there. So the texture is a little bit thicker and uh, it obviously has a, a little bit more velocity to it because of the higher proof point. And, and a lot of times you'll see a single barrel creep away that's 11 or 12 years old instead of the standard 10 year old for the Russell Reserve. There's a few other brands. So talk about uh, Kentucky Spirit. Yeah, that was actually uh, one of the first single barrel bourbons ever hit the market. So much like the flavored brands we talked about, we were before, well before our time there. Well, Kentucky Spirit and Blanton's came out uh, right around the same time in the early 90s. So uh, a new concept for a lot of people. And for the first time, people can actually see what barrel it came from on the bottle. So if they fell in love with barrel number 1052, well, you have to go on a little treasure hunt and find that same Kentucky spirit. Uh, it's it really kind of a, a single barrel version of Wild Turkey 101, still 101 proof. Uh, you know, at the very minimum, it's eight years old. I've seen some nine year old, 10 year old barrels out there, but it was a, a good, you know, it was a good introduction to get people understanding that premium bourbon's coming. And it was a good flag in the ground for us to start that out with. It also has a, a unique bottle shape to it. It's yeah. kind of almost has almost like a four roses, but yeah. almost kind of like a blooming flower. Yeah. You know, what we're going for is kind of like when a turkey spreads its feathers. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so when you look at that, you'll see kind of the makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of, you know, people love that bottle. And it's one of those that definitely sticks out behind the bar. So, you know, for that bottle to be still going strong for as long as it's been around because everyone rebrands and it's, it's cool to see the, the Kentucky spirit bottles, you know, when you go into uh, silver dollar in Louisville on Frankfurt Avenue, man, they got, they got Kentucky spirits from the nineties all lined up. So it's cool to see uh, the transition really hasn't changed all that much as far as the packaging for that product. So what about rare breed? That's yeah, my favorite. I mean, you're not the only one. I'm right there with you. I love rare breed. Um, you know, once again, coming from Jim Beam, my barrel proof of choice for a long time was Booker's. And, and, and rare breed and Booker's were the first two to hit the market as well for barrel proofs. So those came out uh, side by side pretty much. Uh, it really kind of shows you what I was talking about as far as the, the barrel filling. Because with Jim Beam filling up at 125 proof, man, you get some Booker's that will come out at 130, 131. Well, you know, with us filling up at 107 for our rare breeds, usually the proof point is between 108 to 112. So it, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit more drinkable. You know, if you when I drink my Booker's, I put an ice cube or two in there to open it up. But for for rare breed, it's a it's a barrel proof bourbon that I can sip on neat. It's very complex. Uh, it's a mixture of three different ages actually. So we'll take six year old, eight year old, and twelve year old barrels and blend them together. And what we're looking for when we taste those uh, those batches, we want a, a strong, flavorful front end. So all uh, a lot of heat on the front end, and if you let it sit in your palate and uh, chew on it, the Kentucky chew, that's what Booker came <laughs> out right. with. Yeah, <laughs> if you chew on it a little bit, well. It'll kind of uh, open up in your palate, gets much smoother on the back end. So, you know, traveling around that bus last year, the two mainstays were Wild Turkey 81 and Rare Breed. Well, you get some people who have never tried bourbon before and they tried 81. And that back end with the rye, well, it was something that made them think it was 150 proof. You know, you right. would have thought you gave them Everclear. Well, when they tried Rare Breed, even though the front end's so strong, if you let it develop on your palate, the back end's so smooth and sweet. So it's it's one of those that I'm very proud of. And it's, it's one of those that's 
been underappreciated for a long time. So, you know, it's, it's been one of the best kept secrets in the industry in my mind. But like I said before, we're really starting to see a lot of growth in that brand. And then last one, Forgiven. Oh, yeah. Forget, everyone loves the Forgiven story. So, um, Forgiven was an absolute accident. You know, should have never happen. Uh, we're one of two distilleries in Kentucky that traditionally made a rye whiskey as well. So, uh, you know, back then, it was, it was five or six years ago, you know, we... Uh, we only dumped rye maybe two or three times a year. Well, one of the rye days, someone forgot to switch the valve over, so they ended up dumping the rye on top of a bunch of uh, a bunch of six year old bourbon. So at that point, this poor girl thought she was going to lose her job. <laughs> so she she calls Eddie because she knew she she better not tell Jimmy quite yet. She calls Eddie and then tells him what happens and, and apologizes. And Eddie said, you know, let's calm down. Let's give it a try and see what it tastes like. You know, it's pretty damn good. So ended up being 78% six-year-old bourbon, 22% four-year-old rye. And uh, and when and when Jimmy found out about it, well, he wasn't too happy still. He wanted to call it unforgiven. And, <laughs> and uh, Clint Eastwood's people called and said, you can't do that. We got it. We got that trademark. So <laughs> forgive is what we landed on. And it was a great success story. You know, she's kind of a local celebrity right now. They gave her the first bottle off the line. She went and, from zero to hero. Oh, big time. <laughs> and it, it, it was, no pun intended, but what still ruffles Jimmy's feathers is uh, – is one day someone came into the distillery and bought a bottle of Forgiven, and they see uh, this older gentleman sitting in the corner in the visitor center that happened to be Jimmy. Well, she, she walks up and says, excuse me, sir, do you know uh, the woman who invented Forgiven? I want her autograph. So, <laughs> so Jimmy got a little a little jab there. But, nice. You know, it, it's worked out great for us. It sold so well initially that we actually did two runs of it. But whatever you see on the market right now, that's it. So, really? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, rye whiskey is is playing a bigger role in our operation, and I think you're going to start seeing a lot more rye whiskey everywhere. Uh, we ran out of our rye 101 for a long time because of the forgiven mistake. So we pulled it from off-premise accounts for about two years and uh, only focused on the on-premise accounts. You're going to start seeing a lot more on all shelves everywhere, though. So the Rye 101 is one product we haven't talked about yet that is uh, is is killing it right now. You know, as, as I mentioned, I went to Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans last year. And for those of y'all who don't know, it's, it's a big industry event. It's a big emphasis on uh, bartending. So some of the best mixologists in the country are coming in. And uh, with the non-GMO, and uh, the proof point for Wild Turkey 101, it really pops out in a cocktail. So these bartenders are taking traditional bourbon cocktails like Old Fashions and Manhattans and using rye whiskey instead to give it a little more character. So we're seeing a big push for that. Yeah, and I noticed that there's also a, a Russell's rye, yes, right? Yes, so kind yeah. of talk about that one as well. Yeah, we are Russell's rye. So our Wild Turkey rye is a little bit older than most ryes in the market. It's a four-year-old rye where a lot of people who make a rye whiskey uh, hang around the two, three-year mark. So a little bit older. So it's it's for for someone who drinks drinks bourbon all the time, it's a great, great transition to the rye whiskey world. You know, there's some rye whiskeys out there. You take a sip of it. And, uh, you know, that rye is a little bit it's, too evident. Experiment. Yeah, you, like. for sure. <laughs> for sure. And you know the thing about aging a little bit longer is all those wood sugars start absorbing in the rye whiskey, so it's a little bit better balanced in my mind. And uh, you know, for Russells, we'll go six years, so it's a six-year-old rye whiskey. So uh, once again, a little bit sweeter on the on the back end of there. And you know, it's one of those that. I don't necessarily mix very often. I'm starting to drink my rye on the rocks or need a little bit more. So it's a little bit more of a premium rye whiskey. And we're super excited this summer for the first time. 
we're doing a, a single barrel rye program. So just like accounts coming in and picking out barrels of Russell Reserve single barrel and Kentucky Spirit, well, they're actually going to come in. We have 50 barrels of Russell Reserve six-year-old rye single barrel that they can uh, select. So it's nice to expand the single barrel portfolio a little bit more and offer that different accounts. And before we talk about uh, something else that's a, a, a premium one, talk about the last premium release before the Masters of Keep, which was the Diamond Anniversary yeah, Edition. Yeah. You know, just like I mentioned with uh, Russell Reserve initially coming out to celebrate Jimmy's 45th anniversary in industry, well, 60 started creeping up on Jimmy, and uh, Eddie kind of had a secret plan for him. So he wanted to surprise Jimmy and have uh, uh, the diamond anniversary since 60 is the diamond anniversary, obviously, uh, edition Wild Turkey. So this one, through all its development, was supposed to be 16 years old completely. Well, at the very tail end, the cat got out of the bag and Jimmy found out about it. He said, Eddie, you know I don't like anything older than 13 years. So he made Eddie put a few 13-year-old barrels in there. So it's a mixture of mostly 16, but it has some 13-year-old barrels in there, kind of a, a subtle nod to uh, to Jimmy's, I don't want to say stubbornness, but he's pretty steadfast. Traditionalist, yeah, yeah. So, you know, this one came out a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, it's, it's 91 proof. It has... Uh, it has a much more of, of uh, a wood tone to it, I think. I think with the proof point being a little bit higher than the Master's Keep, it has a little bit more, uh, a little bit more character to it in the back end. Now, you had hinted at the very beginning of the show, and you're going to kind of let us drop this bomb. So if you want to, go ahead and kind of talk yeah, about the, yeah. the new release that's going to be coming here in May. Yeah, so, you know, it's going to be a similar, similar packaging to the Master's Keep bottle. It's actually the second edition in the Master's Keep collection. It's going to be called Decades. So we took, uh, we took some barrels that we left into the warehouse from the Master's Keep initially, the 17-year-old barrels, let them age a few more years. And this one's actually going to be a blend of barrels 10 to 20 years old. So a little bit of every age in there, which I've never heard anyone doing that before. I haven't got a chance to try. I'm trying it here in about a month before we release it. But I'm super intrigued to see kind of uh, the flavor profile that comes off there. And then uh, if you pick the complexity of different ages. But we're super excited. It's 104 proof. So a little bit higher proof than what uh, you're used to with other LTOs. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes in the market. Well, interesting. So this one's kind of going to be for, for Ryan because <laughs> we all know that uh, Ryan, loves anything that's past the 1990s. And when you start looking around on forums and people are talking in these dusty hunters, there's always something that was kind of a, I don't know if you would call it a trademark or a quote that people said. They always say that older turkey is better turkey. Yeah. And do you have any kind of insights of why somebody would think that? Yeah, I mean... It's kind of like someone saying the good old days, you know, like, yeah, I remember back then when turkey was turkey. But, you know, in, in reality, as I mentioned before, we've we've uh, kept everything as consistent as possible. The only thing that I could really attribute to that change is, you know, the whole industry is becoming you know, more computer generated. You know, it's not someone uh, churning steam valves anymore. It's someone sitting behind the computer. Our operators uh, are very highly respected. There, it's actually the hardest job to get in the distillery. If you want to be a, in the first shift distilling team at Wild Turkey, you have to be there for 40 years. So they definitely wow. know what they're doing. But as computers play a bigger role in the operation, there's going to be subtle differences. Yeah, and, it's and, more and, science than art. It, it, it really is. You know, and that's what you're starting to see. You know, the, before the master distillers were guys that worked their way up in the industry. Well, for the first time, you're starting to see internships with U of L and UK 
and uh, you got chemical engineers that want to come in and be that that second wave of uh, of master distillers. So the whole industry's changed a little bit in that respect. Uh, efficiency and consistency is the name of the game right now. Well, and products are much better and consistent now, but you might not just have those hidden gems like you know yeah. you did, or you might have stumbled upon back in the day. For sure, for sure, yeah. And that's that's that kind of goes into our aging too because. We don't temperature control our warehouses at all. And I can understand why a lot of distillers are starting to do this because they want as consistent a product as possible. But I still get excited when you get a really cold winter day in January. You start thinking like, man, this might change the barrels a little bit. Or you know, if we have a, a really hot streak in the summertime, you know it's aging differently in our warehouses. So in, in a way, consistency is great, but... You know, it, nothing's better than picking out that one single barrel that tastes better than anything you ever tried before. And, you know, all of a sudden you have a 150 bottle limited edition of your favorite bourbon of all time. And I've fallen victim to it where, man, I got to snatch up a case or two. Of that. <laughs> yeah, bunker <laughs> it's not coming back. Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right. So I guess the last question I'll pose to you, and since you know the brands, you know it well, you're, a, you're highly educated in all this. So if you have to have a staple wild turkey bottle on your shelf, which is the one you go for? Yeah, you gotta go for rare breed, no doubt about it. That's uh, you know, it takes all the all the the love that people have for one on one wild turkey one on one, the traditional product, but it enhances it by being barrel proof and having the different ages in there. So that's the one I would go for for sure. Uh, it's one you don't want to rush through because you have a few of those; they'll catch up on you. <laughs> but you know, if you're just sitting around and you want something to uh, Ease the pains of the day a little bit. Rare breed's the one to go with. See, there you go, Ryan. Now you can deal with your twins with a little bit of rare breed. Right. <laughs> right. Can I get a case? <laughs> Thank you again for being on the show sure. today. This was uh, very intriguing, a great insight into wild turkey. This is uh, yet another checkbox for another brand we have on the show. Good, good. Yep, we did it. Finally. Right. No, I'm glad glad you came. It's wow. been a long time begging you. I tried to beg you when you're at Beam, and now we got you a wild turkey. Well, I'm glad, so. man. I'm glad. Well, I'll be back next week. We just keep doing it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> hey, as long as you keep bringing bottles, yeah. Yeah, you're you're sure, invited. Man. So well, I appreciate it, y'all. <laughs> so if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bourbon Pursuit. You can also like us on Facebook. Yeah, and if you have any uh, guest suggestions, feedback, uh, please let us know. We're keeping this thing rolling and trying to do a better job than the last one. So uh, we'll see you next time.